It's a little warmer. <laughs> warmer That's, this week. Yeah. And but. the big difference in the country is that it's warmer this week. Yes. Uh, huge disruption in uh, the freight market there. We'll, we'll cover a little bit of that today, as well as some of these earnings calls coming out. Tony, you yeah. and I geek out on the earnings stuff uh, consistently. Uh, we'll give a quick update there. And of course, the maritime situation continues. It's ongoing. Uh, geopolitical risk is going to probably be the theme yeah, it, <laughs> for a while. I, yeah, it's not going away anytime no. soon. It seems like, if anything, it's intensifying versus, you know, easing. So Yeah, and I think that's that's the nature of deglobalization. Like, we're, we're actually pulling ourselves away from people in the world. Therefore, mm-hmm. we're going to have a natural now separation between ourselves. Separations are never easy. Be, you don't, you don't, get along with people because you split up with them. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not how the wor- that's not how things work. No. And so whereas I know we're in an election year and I'm not trying to get political because I don't like politics. <laughs> uh but it is the as, the more that countries protection, you know, have protectionist policies, mm-hmm. over time that creates more destable global environment. Yeah. <laughs> um that's 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 fact. That's yeah. not politics. No. That's, that's the way it works. Yep. Uh, and I think our one of our older economists, uh, Ibrahim, used to really talk about the dangers of protectionism at mass. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I understand it's more complicated than that. But yeah, that's something we're all going to have to get used to. <laughs> yeah, it's not, again, it's not going away anytime soon. So it's one of those things that I mean, you look at it, it's disruptions, what, Red Sea, which we'll touch on a little, but... There's I mean, more than that. Greg Miller just wrote another article about, about the Korean Korea. Peninsula, yeah. right? Like, that's one that it's, it hasn't escalated, but if it does, that is another, Dude. I mean, that is a, I would argue that might be a bigger risk to domestic transportation, only from the simple fact that we source, there's a lot of freight that is sourced from that area where, like, if there is an outbreak or a conflict there, well, where's that go? I mean, if you are in supply chain procurement, Mm -hmm. you are about to earn your money over the next 10 years. If you you haven't already (laughs) earned it throughout COVID, right? The pandemic taught, well, guess what? That, I'm not saying that's coming back, but pieces of that are probably going to continue to be a problem. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, Let's uh let's give them a quick market update in two, Tony, if you yeah. want to count me in so we can start the show. All right, Zach. Three, two, one. All right. Like we talked about, winter came once again uh, and really threw a wrench into the freight market. Now you're looking at the national or this is the the yeah, the national van outbound tender rejection index in white. So rejection rates got above five percent in a period where we're normally not used to seeing it get above five percent. Uh, or I guess returning to high levels there in uh, in January after the holiday period. And then the refrigerated outbound tender rejection index. You see refrigerated tender rejection rates, much more volatile. We've been talking about this for months, uh, how the uh, reefer sector has been way more responsive lately. And it looks like Van is joining the fray here. Now, regardless of the winter weather disruptions 
uh, and things like that. 5% is still a relatively low tender rejection rate. We do expect both of these to kind of start coming down uh, over over the next month or so for sure. Uh, but the responsiveness to the weather event is really what I'm interested in. Let's go to the next chart, uh, which really is saying more of the same thing. Uh, the NTI and RTI, National Truckload Index and the Refrigerated Truckload Index, uh, white and uh, green respectively here, showing basically the same thing, except the refrigerated side, those spot rates much higher than they were around the Christmas period. So refrigerated definitely just, I keep pounding it. <laughs> Protect from freeze is actually a thing. Refrigerated may be a little bit of a misnomer this time of year. Let's go to the next chart and pull up uh, the outbound tender volume index. Demand, look at that demand recovery out of the MLK week. Uh, still showing a pretty strong 6 to 7% year-over-year gain in demand. Again, last year, a little bit uh, hand handicapped uh, due to the inventory stuff. Looks like that's kind of moving along. Let's go to the last chart here. Uh, look at the IOTI, Inbound Ocean TUs Index, measuring bookings of TUs coming across the ocean into the United States. Look at that. Right before Chinese New Year, demand still up. And it's up significantly i mean you're talking up 20 plus percent year over year and that is i think the key there and this is one that i've looked at for a while i mean me and donnie gilbert talked about it on freight waves now this morning kind of just gauging where the market is i mean from a demand side everything appears relatively healthy relative to where we were this time last year relative to where we would have been out of 2019 if you would have seen normal economic growth in the pandemic never yeah. happened it now to market participants feels very different very. because they lived through an environment of 2020 2021 and really early 2022 where volumes were the maritime side has an oversupply situation just like the domestic truckload side has. yes so it's not creating the disruption that you would expect mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's it's it's a very supply side kind of event here where it's able to absorb it. Now, I'm obviously rates have gone up in the maritime side, yes. but that's because of exogenous factors such as the Red Sea confrontation. Yeah, right. um, that is a shift in capacity, yeah. not necessarily. And a little bit of market perception. Yeah. Like you're paying the rates because you think it's having an impact. Yeah. And that's that's pricing. And yes. that's a big theme of today's show is pricing, the art of pricing and, and how transportation specifically has a little bit of a pricing problem. And that, and I mean, Zach, maybe talk about it because that was your life for a while yeah. that you were in pricing. You know, I don't have that same experience. I look at it from an econ perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Transportation market, especially truckload is very similar to, I mean, you could call it perfect competition. I mean, it is, there's a lot of buyers and sellers of mm -hmm. freight overall, right? Yeah. Demand, supply, they work together, they set the price. You see that. And it changes on a day-to-day -day basis. And some of it's market perception. You'll never live in a vacuum. Right. It's not reality, even though that's how it's taught <laughs> in or like in school. Everything's taught in a vacuum in a perfect world. That's that's not reality. It's because but, it's easier to explain things yes. in a vacuum. <laughs> but you look at it, I mean, you look from the demand side, relatively strong. You see the supply side tightened because of winter weather and, and market perception and delays and these knock-on effects, it pushes prices higher. Well, you it creates a sense of urgency. Yes. Uh, and that and you pay for that uh, response. Mm -hmm. You know, we saw it during the pandemic all the time, like winter weather during the pandemic. 
uh, you know, February of 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an overreaction yeah. to a supply chain disruption that people were so snake bit from the previous, you know, 12 months. <laughs> any <laughs> any know, catalyst. Any catalyst threw them into a panic once again, mm-hmm. because guess what? It doesn't matter if it's rational or not at that point. Yeah. If if everyone else is panicking, even if you were like, listen, there's nothing to see here, you're pulled right along that that with them. You have to panic along with them. Yeah, it's like a <laughs> it's a herd mentality, yeah. but it's it's how I mean it's almost human nature, right? Every you see everybody else doing it, so you follow suit. But you're also you're 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 subject to the market, which is if I can't get the freight that I need yep. in, in three weeks because everyone ordered it, we see it with gas shortages, you yes. know, at times. Like we had the the crazy Thursday in May, uh, you know, four years ago yep. where everyone ran to go fill up grocery bags with gas because they thought they were going to run out of gas. It, and guess what? They perpetuated the gas stations running out of gas by going to overfill. Yes. <laughs> and that's what you're, even if you are a rational human, you are simply I mean it's the same with the, to it. the toilet paper shortage, mm-hmm. shortage yeah. during it throughout the early stages of the pandemic right yeah. I mean the it's no different than last week here mm-hmm. in Chattanooga I mean you right. go to the grocery store and you see I think the chicken aisle in the mm-hmm. local Publix was completely empty I mean completely wiped out and it's this it's perception drives reality in yeah. this case because and, we would be shut down for a day yeah, one day, <laughs> truly one day, yeah. if uh, that. So no, and 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 this is a sense of urgency that kind of fuels a lot of our consumption, which remains strong. Yeah, uh, I kind of want to parlay this into an earnings uh, discussion with our news anomics section here, because this is this is where I'm gonna. This is what's driving this pricing discussion. Yeah, is I'm looking at Night Swift earnings, Night Swift U.S. Express uh, earnings here, and you know it's. Exactly what I would think it would be. Yeah. Outside of the intermodal side, we'll get to the intermodal in a minute. But Night Swift, of course, a great example of tr- domestic transportation. They mm-hmm. have literally everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they have truckload. They have dedicated. They have intermodal. They have LTL. Yeah, they, uh, and then they have their logistics. And arm then they too. have the brokerage arm. Yeah. So it's like almost everything you can think of domestic wise. All the sectors are there. JB Hunt, of course, another one that has almost all of these outside of the LTL. Uh, but Let's break down the Night Swift earnings call here. So first things first, revenue and average tractor count up 25 and 29% respectively. Um, they bought US Express. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> and that's what it is. I mean, they added a large fleet that grew revenue. I mean, it's through, it's not organic growth, right? It was, it was growth through people, acquisition. People that look at revenue alone, you are misguided. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and don't do that. But I think you pointed this out earlier when we were talking. Average tractor growth up higher than average revenue growth. Not great. I Not mean, great. that's an area where it's, okay, you realize, well, in this case, the the concern is the used equipment market has effectively collapsed yep. from where it was. So to churn, the, to get that tractor count back to a level where you're growing, I mean, even if you grew revenue at the same rate that you were growing tractor count, it's... Yep. You'd ideally like to grow revenue faster than what you grew tractor count. It's not always it's not always possible. possible. Like, especially in a yeah. market like this. And I think Night Swift is fully aware of this. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know that anybody expected the market to turn as deeply and for as longly yeah. as it has. Yeah, you're just not gonna get the benefit. Right. Uh, you're not going to get the benefit from selling this equipment that you would have 
before this acquisition, you start having to churn some of this equipment. It, it's just the tailwind that used equipment prices provided earlier in this cycle is not there. And and this is not concerning to me in the no. long run whatsoever. No, no, because it's not Night Swift. Like right. that's, <laughs> it's not indicative of how Night Swift operates. Right. It's a market-wide condition. Exactly, exactly. It's an environmental factor that yeah. we're... Sometimes we all forget. Yes, we are. The, the environment's a lot stronger than we are as individual actors, yes. and that is no different here. Even though Night Swift is huge, yep, uh, relative to a lot of other carriers. Now, some of my bigger takeaways: miles up, deadhead down, and that's loaded miles up. <laughs> Revenue per mile, eleven point seven percent down. So you're hauling more. So the mm-hmm. volumes there. <laughs> yeah. Your loaded miles are up. You're you're actually driving more efficiently because mm-hmm. your deadhead's down. You're loaded more often. Yeah. And but your revenue per mile is down. This is pricing. Yeah. <laughs> this is where they have had to go in and undercut other carriers. So they've narrowed, you know, they've cut like here's your cost threshold. So in order for them to get this business and mm-hmm. maintain the efficiency at the levels, the environment basically dictated they had to drop their prices, mm-hmm. compressing their margin potential. Yeah, and you see that when you start looking at their OR, right? I mean, even if you kept expenses flat yep. and you drop revenue or revenue per mile down 11%, you're going to see compression in your OR. I mean, it's just, it's natural. Then you add in the fact that you had US Express, which... Operated over a 100 OR. Yeah, and I mean... Now, I will give the Night Swift management team a lot of credit. They turn Night Swift's or US Express's adjusted operating income was profitable this quarter, which is a good thing. It shows that they are headed in the right direction. That's great. And it's faster than what they were anticipating. In this environment, that is, that should be a huge, like, we, they should all be congratulated. Yeah. Because (laughs) I will say at a 93.9 OR with adding 100. Mm OR or around there mm-hmm. to their business and the size that it was, yeah. right? This like is, this, this is, is what this is what other companies are striving for yeah. in this environment. This will be fixed one when the market flips. Like they will get oh, this 100%. back, but they are trying to turn around a business that that had its struggles that were publicly known and this they're is, in. The, they're on the right path. It's just yeah. it takes time to get there. You, you got to look beyond the numbers here. The adjusted yeah. OR went from an eighty-three to a ninety-four. Again, mixing US Express in there, and also the market conditions itself, just really challenging. Mm-hmm. This is this is absolutely a win uh, in my mind. Um, Dave, uh, Dave Jackson, CEO and president, the full truckload market capacity oversupply coupled with customers' efforts to reduce inventory levels have contributed to a difficult operating environment. I do disagree with him on that second statement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the efforts of, re- of inventory reduction are actually a headwind uh, for trucking because you're ha- these shippers are having to wait longer in the cycle to ship. Mm-hmm. And they're now shipping more. We've seen it with the OTBI. Yeah. They're, they're shipping more. You see with the IOTI. Yeah. They're bringing more freight in because their inventories, absolutely, for the most part in aggregate, have corrected to a point where it's a lot tighter. Yeah. So they're waiting on demand. Uh, so I think that's a headwind there. Um, they, you know, I think the title of this article written by Todd Maiden always do, does a great job. Um you know, reference the insurance business, they're unwinding. This yeah. to me is, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> it, it doesn't, it's yeah. not material to yeah. their overall business, right? I think some of it is, mm-hmm. I mean, he continued in that 
in their earnings yeah. call kind of talking about right now, nobody's really pushing for price decreases. It, it feels like it's been felt or on the truckload side, like yeah. there's not much wiggle room from a from them as an operator who pushed their costs any lower. Like they're not going to get that under control. So they can only go so far. Right. And they're not willing at this point. But from a shipper perspective, they've gotten a lot of the price in decreases, right? They're they've gotten their budget. They're up against the budget. That budget you we talked about it. I mean, if you got a ten percent transportation reduction in cost, now you're up against those these benchmarks. And if the market turns you're not going to see 10% reductions anymore. I mean, we just did a survey. I think the results, vast majority of shippers were looking to keep truckload flying haul rates flat to mm-hmm. down low single digits, talking that 1% to 4%. I mean, that is not, they're not being aggressive. The thing to remember, and we've talked about this before, is Shippers aren't the ones that set rates. No. Carriers bid against each other and drive the rate into the ground. So exactly what it is. It, now shippers can set up an environment that makes it more competitive with yeah. their bidding strategies, which I don't think that we're seeing. I think yeah. largely uh, a lot of the, the shippers that I've talked to specifically are they're not aggressively pursuing rate reductions in a lot of areas. It's coming from the carrier side yeah. that is they're, they're all searching for volume, right? It's well, a volume game. They were able to and, get like 10 to 15% reduction year over year yeah. in, without asking for it yeah. in a lot of cases. And th- this is the inherent problem <laughs> because they are now setting themselves up to, because all these bids that just happened, some percentage of these carriers that won this business aren't going to be there the next cycle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's fact. They are going, they're moving, the capacity is moving into another component or somewhere else. So these rates today, when you see a 94 OR mm-hmm. versus an, an 83 OR, it's no different for a shipper or their main business. If you have a big margin, which I call a margin of error, <laughs> uh, and, and carriers now have a less of a margin of error with their profits mm-hmm. because now they have a 6% window or cushion night swift specifically. So when the market does shift mm-hmm. and it's coming, <laughs> yeah. Instead of them being like, you know, we're doing all right. We don't have to aggressively divert capacity over here or over there. Now, very easy for them to go and change it, man. And this is this is just exactly from a shipping perspective what you do not want. Yeah, and it's not in their control necessarily. <laughs> it isn't from a the fact that right they want they're still going to take advantage of rate reductions where they're offered. Yeah. But it's, you need to, if somebody's coming in and being 10% below what the next person is, you need to know that that is, yeah. that is inherently a risk by taking that and actually giving that freight mm-hmm. to that un, the one that's undercutting. You have to know when the market flips, they're going to be the first ones to say, no, we're not moving your freight for this stay price. Off the bottom of the route guide for yeah. these carriers. You've got to stay off the bottom of like you cannot be the lowest uh, paying customer of a carrier yeah. this year. You, yeah. you, your goal as a procurement manager, stay off the bottom <laughs> yes. uh, because that only exposes you to increased volatility. Now, the LTL side of Night Swift, the polar opposite, uh, showed a, uh, you know, well, they did have some revenue. It, it did go, or no, I'm sorry, that's the logistics side. But LTL, uh, yes, 13.8% up. <laughs> The shipments per day, 
12 percent up <laughs> weight per shipment you know a little bit down but basically flat revenue per shipment excluding fuel 7.4 percent higher they do not have a pricing problem no but <laughs> and i think some of this goes into the way night swift has operated their ltl business mm-hmm. they went out but good operators yep. and have let them operate their business as is mm-hmm. right they they kind of stay they wanted to have the exposure to that ltl space yep. without if they tried to invoke their operational mm-hmm. that they know on the truckload side into the ltl business it would fail so why why not they've let them run their business mm-hmm. and they've run it efficiently i mean you're talking an 85.5 or on the LTL side, it's not old Dominion level in the mid 60s, mm-hmm. but you're making money every quarter and you have that 15, 14 and a half percent margin. Five and a half percent OR is good year over year. The stability there is exactly what you want yep. from both a shipper and a transportation service provider standpoint yep. because you have a very stable relationship. You are going to be, and that's a Good buffer, yeah. <laughs> a great margin here. Um, so very good operation there. Uh, and from a shipping perspective, obviously that's. I know it, it's hard to understand, but that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, and then of course the brokerage side of things, like everyone else, <laughs> deteriorating. <laughs> deteriorating. Uh, they had more loads, less revenue. Uh, the revenue per load, quarter or year over year down seven and a half percent. Gross margins contracting, ORs yeah. contracting. This yeah, is, I would say on the gross margin front, it's just that spot rates bottomed and are lower, and then contract rates are coming down, and it's collapsing the margin. The thing is, they're also going to face margin compression on the upswing. Yeah, spot rates will move higher before contract rates do. Got to be also on top comp- of it from a brokerage so, perspective. You yeah. cannot take your eye off the market. We just had the winter weather event. Yep. Uh, I don't think we're going to have time to get to John Kingston's article, but definitely check that out. Uh, Triumph Financial Services showing uh, basically... Triumph pays good. It's, well, it's the rates, their factoring business, the rates have bottomed. And yeah. now we're we're coming up. Yep. And again, the winter weather event showed a pretty significant uh, hit, or it actually increased uh, revenue yeah. per bill by a lot, by almost $100 mm-hmm. in, in January thus far. So... The market on the brokerage side looks to have bottomed. It looks like it's turning a little bit. Again, like you said, it's still got some a ways to go. And last but not least, Night Swift Intermodal. Um, this is this is insane. This is the <laughs> this one was the challenge, right? I mean, yeah. if there's a giant red flag waving, this is this is the arm outside of the insurance this arm. This is why. Okay, so we're we're showing you the Intermodal there on the bottom and, and the logistics business on top, but. Intermodal revenue down 16%. Uh, load count up 4%. Average revenue per load down 20%. This is a pricing problem. Yeah, and <laughs> the problem with it is it doesn't appear that it's going to get better, right? And I think that we actually have a chart. We'll pull it up. The Intermodal Contract Savings Index. So basically yeah. the percentage discount that Intermodal provides mm-hmm. compared to dry van. It's at 6.54%. They that is rates. historically low. Normally, it's in the 15% raise range. Yeah. There is no buffer zone for them at all. Already like up against it because they can't compete with trucking from a pricing perspective. Yep. <laughs> and so they had to drop these rates to get that revenue, that business, mm-hmm. 
it's i mean wow and, and it feels like it, it could be a volume headwind too right when pricing is this way you're gonna flee to the one that ha- offers the better service than truckload for when you're not getting the discount the historic discount what uh, again 12 to 15 percent you're about half of what that normally is yeah why use intermodal to move anything outside of what you guess absolutely what? have to? This actually concerns me from an intermodal shipping perspective. Yeah. Because guess what? Won't get any attention <laughs> and won't get service. service if the market does turn significantly. Yep. Uh, the intermodal side, because they're, they're then viewed as a loss leader. Yeah. And guess what? As a loss leader, you don't get the service <laughs> yeah. um, that, you know, you expect. So there's, there are some red flags this year mm-hmm. that we're st- we're opening up with. We've got transportation prices on the floor. Margins are super narrow. We're starting to see that increased responsive, you know, responsiveness mm-hmm. from tender rejection rates and spot rates in January, yeah. mind you. Th- this winter weather event was more disruptive than Christmas. <laughs> Which is, yeah, and way more disruptive than Thanksgiving and Black Friday. And when you- We didn't like, even get to the whole Red Sea and maritime and all the things yeah. that might be. <laughs> and we had GDP numbers drop this morning too. And it was strong. And, 2%. Yeah, I mean, it's good. And then that, now I will say, I saw Bank of America's credit card spending report yeah. uh, that came out, I think this morning up through last week. And it- it showed the impacts of the winter weather. People stuck at home, they can't spend money, thus spending declined. So retail sales in January are going to be challenged, especially yeah. off a, a hotter December. Yeah, but again, the networks were challenged, so transportation may not feel that in yeah, February. exactly. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So, well, that was our show today. Hopefully y'all learned something. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I mean, hang in there, uh, transportation service providers. It's it's coming. And from a shipper perspective, uh, buckle up. Yeah. <laughs>